0: Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh.
1: Most people I meet struggle with worry and anxiety and stress and uncertainty and anger and fear.
0: Peace. It's a nice sounding word, isn't it? Everybody wants peace in their lives. Everybody needs peace in their lives. And people will look for peace in almost anything. Followers of Jesus know that He has promised us that we can have peace. So, why do so many professing Christians still struggle with anxiety, worry, and fear?
1: How many of you have uh, perhaps seen the bumper sticker that reads this way No God, no peace. No God, no peace. Now, there's a sense in which I believe that that statement is, is absolutely true. No God, no peace. But I also believe there's a sense in which that statement is not as true as perhaps we would like it to be. I'm
0: Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. Today we move into chapter four of our study of the book of Philippians in our study entitled Heartbeat. We've seen lots of great applications for our lives throughout this study, and today is no exception. As Pastor Clay is going to explain in today's message, Paul addresses four areas where peace is critical for our lives. As you'll hear today, peace is something that God wants us to have, and we're going to hear today exactly what we need to do to have peace in our lives. Now here's Pastor Clay with this week's Crosswalk message.
1: I don't know of anybody that doesn't want peace in their life. I don't know of anybody that, um, that says, oh yeah, I love being anxious, stressed out, worried, angry. Give me some of that. You know of anybody that way? I think everybody wants um, peace in their life, a, a sense of, of calmness, a sense of assurance that everything's okay, that, that a peace in their life. The world talks a lot about peace. You watch the nightly news and they're always... Peace talks going on somewhere, or the world talks a lot about peace, but it seems like the more the world pursues peace, the less peace that the world seems to have. But I'm pretty sure pretty much everybody wants peace in their life. The reality is, though, I meet very few people who I think actually live on a daily basis with a sense of peace in their life peace from God. And I'll explain that as we go along here this morning and next week. I meet very few people. And I say that as a pastor this morning, a guy that hangs out a lot with people that profess to be followers of Jesus. Most people I meet struggle with worry and anxiety and stress and uncertainty and anger and fear. Let me ask this question. How many of you in here this morning, and you can raise your hand, you don't have to raise your hand, or if you want to, whatever, but how many in here this morning would admit that you struggle with anxiety, with worry, with fear, with stress, with those types of things more than you would like to in your life? Mm Mm-hmm. How many of you would uh, probably be willing to say, or might be willing to say, that you struggle with those issues, that you spend more time in anxiety, in stress, in worry than you do in peace. How many of you have uh, perhaps seen the bumper sticker that reads this way? No God, no peace. No God, no peace. I like to say it like that, no peace. How many of you have seen that bumper sticker before? Anybody seen that bumper sticker or read it somewhere or whatever else? Now, there's a sense in which I believe that that statement is is absolutely true. No no God knows if you don't know the God of the Bible, if you don't know this God, if you don't have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, I do not believe that you actually can have true, genuine God-type peace. And again, we'll we'll get into that. God-type peace in your life. I don't believe you can apart from a relationship with God. So I believe that's absolutely true. No God, no peace. But I also believe there's a sense in which that statement is, is not as true as perhaps we would like it to be. No God, no peace. Now, that is a true statement. But I have met many people who I would say, as best I could tell are authentically in what I would call a salvific relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, they're genuinely saved. They've come to Christ. They've committed their life to Jesus Christ. Um, they're, they're trying to live the life that Christ has them. I, I, I've known many people that I believe would, uh, would genuinely be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, but yet I've, I, I, can, I know from their lives that they are worried, anxious, stressed out, angry, fearful, All of these types of things. If you know God, you can know peace. But if you know God, do you know peace? Let's see if we can spend a few minutes talking about it this morning. Philippians chapter 4 is where we are. We're starting into chapter 4 of Philippians in our series, Heartbeat. uh, Looking at this this passion, this drive that the Apostle Paul had for Christ. Christ. And how, as, as if you've been in this series, you've heard me say this a number of times. I believe it shows up as much or more in the book of Philippians than any, in any of his other letters. I want to read to you verses 1 through 9 this morning. We're only going to go, time permitting, we're going to get through verse 7. Um, but we're going to read 1 through 9 this morning. Philippians chapter 4, it's up on the screen. Um, maybe you have a copy of God's Word. hope you do as well. Therefore, my beloved brethren... You can tell, again, as you've been, if you've been with us, Paul's beginning to move towards the end of this thing. Uh, he's starting to wind it up. As he's writing an in inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul sometimes has a... It seems like he's always got another thought that's coming into mind. You think he's getting ready to wind up the letter, but, but then he'll wind up and, and go again. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see... Remember, Paul's in prison in Rome. Whom I long to see, my joy and crown... In this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. In what way? In that way that he's just been talking about in the previous chapter. And then he goes in, verse 2. I urge, Euodia, and I urge, Sunkie, to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women... Who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Maybe you've heard these words before. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul addresses what I, I think are Four different aspects or four different areas of peace for our lives. This morning, we're going to hit a couple of them uh, as quickly as we can um, before we go out into the world that wants to steal our peace. First one looks like this this morning. Peace in relationships. Peace in relationships. What you have in common is more important than what you don't. Let's read uh, verses one through three again. Therefore, my beloved brethren, these people that he cares so affectionately and passionately for. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown. In this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. He says it again. I urge Eodia and I urge Sinki to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Who are these two women with the weird names, Yodia and Sinki? Well, we know just about all we know about them right there. That's it. What we know about them is that they got in a fight. They're fighting. There's disunity in their lives between the two of them. And it is of such a nature that the Apostle Paul, who is in prison in Rome, hears about it. Talk about the grapevine. He hears about the disunity between these two women who are an intricate part of the church in Philippi. He hears about the fighting and it is of such a nature that is serious enough that Paul has to address it in his letter to the church. Now, now think with me about that if, if, if we did that today. If, if I put in my weekly pastor's perspective, who you all hang on bated breath waiting for the next one to arrive. And you read to its full extent, probably several times, hanging on every word. If I were to put in my pastor's perspective, I urge Teresa Bays and Kimberly Jones to stop fighting. Now, Kimberly Jones, Teresa Bays aren't fighting. But you can imagine if I, if I just put that in a letter for everybody and God to read, let's write out there, just put it out there. Or if I posted it on my, my Facebook status, if I put on there, well, some, some married couple... I urge so-and-so and so-and-so, stop their blooming fighting. Start getting along. Act like you love each other. I mean, listen, by the way, I'm not implying that, that my pastor's perspective is on par with, with the inspired word of God in Paul's letter to, to Philippi. But what I'm saying is, is that this was serious enough that Paul actually has to put it in a letter that's going to be read to the entire church. Everybody's going to read this. Of course, they already know about the fight, right? Shocker. The church knows about the fight, but he but he has to but he has to deal with it. He has to has to take up this thing and begin to work with with Yodia and Sinke. And so he says, "Watch this." He says, "I urge, I urge." The Greek word is perikalo. It comes from the same root word, by the way, that the the. The New Testament name, primary New Testament name for the Holy Spirit, or one of the primary names for the Holy Spirit, Paraclete, the one who comes alongside, the parallel lines, one who comes alongside and minister to us and meets our needs and instructs us and encourages us. The Paraclete, same root word here. Paul says, "Yodia, Sinke, I'm I'm coming alongside of you and I'm urging you. I'm pleading with you. It really wouldn't be too strong a translation to say, I'm begging you, get along." Work this out. Find a way to, to get this thing worked out. He says, I urge Yodia and I urge Sinki. Notice the equal responsibility that he puts on both of them. He calls them both out by name and he, and he says the same thing to both of them. I don't know what started the fight. Paul probably doesn't know either. All he knows was that it was causing disunity in their own lives and disunity in the church. Because that's what what lack of peace does in in your relationships. It affects your relationship and they were letting it affect their relationship. And if it hadn't already, and I'm pretty sure it had, that's why Paul's addressing it. But if it hadn't already, it certainly was going to infect the entire body of believers. Because you know how people like to take sides. Oh, well, I heard Yodia did blah, 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 blah. Well, did you know that Senki did this? Da 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 da. Paul says, You've, you, you've, got, to, you've got to deal with this thing. I urge Yodia, I urge Senki to live in harmony in the Lord. Help these women who have shared my struggle. Look what Paul says about these women. He says, They are to live in harmony. Basically, the idea is to think the same thing in the Lord, is basically how you would translate it. To live in harmony in the Lord. The word means to think, to think the same way in the Lord. So the question is, how do you think the same way if you're, you've got a difference of opinion? Well, how, how, if I say this coffee tastes great and you say that coffee tastes terrible, how do, you li- how do you live in harmony? How do you think the same thing? The answer is easier than you might think. It's hard, but it's easier. Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 8. We have read this, returned to this on a number of occasions. Here's what it is, to think the same thought in the Lord. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Listen, do you hear the unity in that? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than, say it, say the word, yourselves. Think of one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude. Here it is. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That, that's, that's, that's how you do it. You take this attitude that was in Christ Jesus, this attitude that that puts others before myself. I was uh, Cindy and I have been staying with Nate and Kimberly Jones uh, this week while the, our floor has been being refinished. And uh, they wouldn't let us stay in there. They said the fumes would make us crazy. and So I stayed a few extra days. <laughs> now, so We've been staying with Nate and Kimberly. It's been so gracious to open up their home. Several of you have offered, by the way. Thank you. Um, but uh, we've been staying with them. And um, yesterday, Kimberly and I got in this conversation about uh, bananas, when bananas taste the best. Now, if you don't know, where's, where's Nate? Where's Nate Jones? He in here? Nate, uh, did everybody see Nate over there? I just, you need to just see Nate to understand the context of this, okay? So um, uh, so I like bananas green, right? I mean, I know that if they're too green, you can't, it won't even really peel, but it's gotta be just past that point where it's still green, but it will peel. And the banana is firm and it tastes, to me it tastes sweeter and that sort of thing. Kimberly says, oh no, no, yellow. And then, and then she says, the browner they are, the sweeter they are. <laughs> Nate, never missing an opportunity, says, what, What'd you say, honey? <laughs> the browner they are, the sweeter they are? And he does this. Now, what? What? Uh, <laughs> Now, what if, what if this thing with the bananas, what if we, what if Kimberly and I got this big tiff about bananas and we're like, well, I, I, you're, you're so wrong about bananas. You're, you're never staying at my house again. <laughs> Listen, I, you may think, well, that's silly. Nobody's going to end a friendship over which banana tastes better, ripe or unripe. Listen, people have split over smaller things than that. Can I tell you that? Churches have split over smaller things than that. And you, 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 just, you just got, so what do you do? All right, all right, real quick. What do you do? I'm running out of time here. What do you do? Let me just cut to the chase, all right? Get over it. You, you just need to get over it. You've just got to begin to make allowances for each other and understand that none of us are perfect and none of us are getting it right. And then when we, we, we can't just read Philippians 2, 2 through 8. We just can't hear Philippians 2, 2 through 8. We can't just think about Philippians 2, 2 through 8. We have to do Philippians 2, 2 through 8. And if we do Philippians 2, 2 through 8, you and I are never going to have much of a problem because I'm going to think more of you than, you're, than I'm going to think of myself. And you're going to do the same thing for me. And we're going to say, yeah, he's a little odd, but hey, I'm going to cut him some slack. Because I'm already thinking that about you. <laughs> it, it's it just making lines. And listen, here, here's, here's my little, here's my little uh, ditty for you. Um, humility is the friend of relationships. Pride is the destroyer of relationships. Pride will keep you from saying, I was wrong. Pride will keep you from saying... You were right. Pride will keep you from saying, will you forgive me? Hey, pride will keep you from saying, I forgive you. Humility does away with all of that. Humility to think of others as more important than myself. Folks, listen, can I tell you this? It's not just about you having peace in your relationships. You want it. It's important. We need it. Paul's urging Yodia and Sinky to get along because so, it's going to be better for their lives. But it's not just about that. Ladies and gentlemen, what you and I have to remember, when we get at odds with each other, and we do from time to time, right? It's, we do. Whether it's, whether it's a, a married couple who are in Christ, whether it's two, uh, uh, two people in the church or whatever, we get at odds with each other sometimes. Listen, it's not just about us. It's about the, it's about the reputation of the body of Christ. And when people outside of the church hear about the fighting going on inside the church or between two people in the church, then they say, well, you know what? They don't, I, they can't even get along. What do I want to be a part of that for? Unity in relationships. Now, let me say this also, at the risk of being killed. This is this is something that can happen to anybody, okay? But I would say that, that this issue tends to, be one that ladies, women, are a little more susceptible to. And now listen. Don't, don't listen to me. Please, please listen to me. I heard somebody back there saying, get a rope. No, listen. Listen to me. The reason is because, ladies, you actually have emotions. You feel. Let's face it, guys. Most of us, when it comes to emotions, are about half clueless most of the time. Can I get an amen, ladies? Right? When it comes to emotions, we're, we're about half clueless most of the time. But you ladies don't. You, you feel, you, you, you invest yourself in the lives of other people. And, and so that makes you more susceptible to hurt when those people hurt you. It makes you more vulnerable to that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. That you're that way. God has created you that way and thank God for it. But it makes you more susceptible also to a hurt that keeps you from, from reaching out and trying to minister, forgiving, restoring the relationship that you have. So that's what I say men, women, whoever, we, we just got to get over it. We got to humble ourselves and help restore that relationship that God desires for us to have okay real quickly let's go to the second one this morning peace through circumstances ah Paul returns let me just let me just read it peace through circumstances here's the second idea what you need isn't as big as who provides what you need isn't as big as who provides it let me read in verse four through seven Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. just want to see if y'all are paying attention. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace with your circumstances. Your, what, you, what you need is not as big as who meets that need in your life. Paul jumps right into, in verse 4, he jumps right into what's been this, one of the common themes of the book of Philippians, this idea of joy or rejoicing. He says, again, verse 4 and 5, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice let your gentle spirit be, made, be known to all men. The Lord is near. Those verses, by the way, aren't maybe as unrelated as they may appear as you read them. Paul's saying that, that rejoicing in the Lord... Simply, basically means, and we've picked this up all through the book, rejoicing in the Lord means centering my life in the Lord. That that's where I find my joy. That's where I find my contentment. That's where I find everything I'm looking for in life. I find it by making Him the center, making Him the hub. So I rejoice in the Lord. He's my center. He's my, that, he's my heartbeat. Somebody should name a series after that. He's my heartbeat. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And when I do, if I'm rejoicing in the Lord, if if that is in, if he's the center of my life and he's creating this joy in my life, then I will have a gentle or quiet or calm or non-anxious, non-stressed out, non-angry spirit that will be made known that people will just see it it'll just it's just it's just there no matter what the circumstance is it will be there so paul says you can have this piece the question is if i'm a how, how do what what do i do when about all this stuff here's a couple ideas to keep in mind uh this morning first you have to recognize the presupposition recognize the presupposition which is this In life, you're going to have less than desirable circumstances at times. Okay? It's just we live in a world that's under what's known as the sin curse. And nobody escapes it. Nobody gets a free pass. And you just have to understand that in life, you're going to have less than desirable circumstances at times. And, and I say that to remind you because there are those who would teach that, hey, if you, if you believe in Jesus and if you believe hard enough, if you just have enough faith, then, then everything's going to go good for you and, and, and you're, you're, always gonna, you're not going to be sick and, and uh, uh, you're going to get to have a, a Mercedes and a Cadillac in your driveway, whatever else, I don't know, whatever your car of choice is, you're, you're gonna, it's just going to go well for you. And that's just not true. As a matter of fact, if that were true, that if it was just a matter of, uh, of believing in God strong enough, just a matter of having a strong enough faith, then the Apostle Paul had no faith at all. Because that dude was always in trouble. That dude was always having hard circumstances. He was always getting beaten up or thrown in jail or run out of town or stoned or whipped or, or whatever else that went on in his life. No. So Paul says, no, no, you just, you just have to know that you're, this stuff is going to happen in your life. You just have to. You just have to know that. So what, what? What do I do when it happens in my life? Well, that's the second one. You got to fill the prescription. What's the prescription? Well, y'all probably de- dying to know what the prescription is, right? Why don't you say that? What's the prescription? Glad you asked. Paul gives us the answer right there. Here's what it is: talk to God, thank God, trust God. It's like uh, it's like uh, take two, talk to gods, and I thank God and one trust God and you won't even need to call me in the morning kind of deal. Talk to God, thank God, trust God. Now, uh, listen, listen, listen to what he says here. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. There's the first one. Talk to God. Now, you know, I guess prayer kind of goes without saying. Everybody kind of understands, all right, prayer just means I'm, I'm talking to God. Well, what's supplication? That's It is a little different. In some sense, it's just they go hand in hand together, certainly. And it's almost two sides of the same coin. But supplication is kind of an old word, and I'm going to define it with an older word probably. But supplication basically means entreaty, to entreat someone, to to plead with someone or urge someone. Now, listen to me. It's very careful. It's not begging, in this case, God. So it says, with prayer and supplication, it's not begging God as if God has to be talked into ministering to you or answering your prayer. Do you understand? It's, it's not like, oh God, please, please, I am anxious over this thing and would you please meet this need in my life? I, I need you to meet this life. And it's not like God's like, uh, 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 waiting for you to talk him in. It's not, it's not that, but it's begging almost in the sense that from my end is that, I man, I've Got to talk to God about this. I've got to go to God about this. I have to entreat God on my behalf because watch this: by my entreating, I'm I'm uh, I'm acting on my faith. It's a demonstration that I actually believe God can do this. Right? If you if you if you get a traffic ticket and you think you've been unjustly accused, who are you gonna entreat? The judge, right? If you're going to carry it all the way to court, you know you have to pay it anyway, but you're going to go all the way to court and you are going to entreat that judge and you're going to plead your case. That's what Paul says. He says, with prayer and supplication. This matters to me. I've got to get on my face before God. I've got to talk to God about this because this is stealing my joy and it's stealing my peace. And I don't want to be anxious in my life. Does anybody want to be anxious in their life? Talk to God. Second, he says, thank God with thanksgiving. Fairly straightforward. Just thank him. Thank him for what? Thank him for everything. Thank him for life. Thank him for life in Christ Jesus. Thank him for things he's done in the past. Thank him for things that he's going to do in the future, even if you don't know yet what they are. Thank him for the sunrise. Thank him for the smell of popcorn. Is anybody in here thankful for the smell of popcorn when it's fresh popped? You ever thank God for it? got news for you. Orville Redenbacher didn't really give us popcorn. I'm just saying, find find ground to thank God for. Even in the midst, you're you're saying in the midst of this circumstance? Yes. Yes. Because listen to me, there is a peace, what you might call, there is a natural peace, right? There is a natural peace, a peace that comes as a result of an elimination of a circumstance. I've lost my job. I need a job. I'm anxious over that. I get a job. Whoo, right? There's a sense of peace that comes from that. A bill is due. I don't have enough money to pay that bill. Somehow I forgot about that. Whatever happens, uh, the check shows up in the mail. I can pay that bill. My marriage is in, in trouble. My uh, kids are a disaster. My, what, whatever those things are that would make us anxious, when, when those things have some resolution to them, in some sense there is a piece to that. God wants to give us something more. And so we talk to him, we thank him, and then we trust him. We just trust God in the situation, and we go out and we live as if we're trusting Him. God, nothing in the circumstance looked good to me. I don't see where this is going. I don't see how, to, but I know that You're a good God. I know that I can trust You in the circumstance, and so God, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be anxious for nothing. Maybe you just need to even say this out loud. I'm going to be anxious for nothing, but in everything I'm going to talk to You about it. Prayer and supplication. I'm going to thank you for for who you are and what you're doing, and I'm going to let my request be made known to you, God. Here's what I would like to see happen. Here's what I think would be good. Understanding that we are finite and God is infinite, but we trust Him and we move forward in that. Okay. Which then brings us to the uh, this last idea: peace through circumstances. Live in peace. Live in peace. It's incomprehensible, and it's impenetrable. Paul says, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. Do you guys understand what that means? I need a job. I applied for a job. I knocked the interview out of the ballpark. A friend that was on the inside said, you got this. And then I get the call that says, "Uh, you didn't get it. And I still have peace. That's incomprehensible. I can comprehend peace that comes when I get the job. That's no problem. What I can't comprehend is having peace when I don't get the job. What I can't comprehend is having peace when the marriage is not going good. What I can't comprehend is having peace when my kids are rowdy. What, what, whatever it is. That's incomprehensible. That's the kind of peace, ladies and gentlemen, I know I've got to wrap this thing up. That is the kind of peace that your neighbors and your co-workers will take notice of and probably envy. Because that's a peace they can't even comprehend. But that's the kind of peace God promises to you. If, all goes back to that, if he's my heartbeat, if I'm rejoicing in him, centering in him, trusting in him, thanking him, talking to him. If I'm doing those things, Paul says, you can just expect it. This is just what can happen. You're gonna have the peace of God that past all understanding to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. All right, I better quit. By the way, can I just say this? Because if I don't, I won't, I won't, uh, probably won't say it next week. Um, Go back to this idea of thanking him. Listen, an attitude of gratitude will overcome a bad attitude. I know that's not a word, but I made it up. So it's it's, it's my word, and I suspect any of y'all that have had two-year-olds or a teenager can understand perfectly what a bad attitude is. And and by the way, I am going to, in a sense, go back to this next week when Paul goes into the mind. He starts talking about peace of mind. But you want to overcome this thing, you've got to to talk to God about it. You've got to thank God for whatever all he's doing, even if you're not even sure what he, all he is doing, and then you've got to trust him that he is working, and then you have to go, out. And, the, and the word of God says that if you will do, if you'll do all of those things, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, watch this, and I'm done, will guard. It's a future active tense verb. Paul says if you'll do this, this will will happen in your life, and it is impenetrable. No amount of anxiety, no amount of fear, no amount of anger, no amount of worry, no amount of anything will will be able to break through that in your life if you do what Paul instructs us to do right here. If we'll do it this way, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so, we'll probably pick it back up again next week, the BP squared will, will look like this. The peace of God comes to God's people when God's people come to God. God's peace comes to God's people when God's people come to God. A lot of times we go everywhere except to God. Well,
0: the Apostle Paul isn't shy about promising God's peace to a he? And as Pastor Clay explained to us in today's message, Having God's peace in our lives is possible. It's a peace that's much better than anything the world has to offer. It's a peace that meets us right where we are in life. But as we heard today, it's a peace that only comes when we make the determination to make Jesus Christ our heartbeat. As long as our focus is on worldly things, we're going to be distracted by circumstances and situations. Peace really is possible. If we look to God for His peace. Now ask yourself, do you have it? We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross-Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships, and instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7, and we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you.